Uh-oh, it looks like we've piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The Hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever meet them. This is not your typical mastermind. The Hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything, joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. And uh, for those of you who just watched the commercial of The Hideout, it's probably one of the uh, most impactful two days that, that I've had in my life. I've never seen a, a group of guys. We had 12 out there. We sold the thing out. And uh, we had 12 dudes that every single one of them had a transformation, whether that was in their personal life, their professional life, their spiritual life, or their financial life. And to be able to have 12 guys that have uh, a breakthrough, every single one of them in one event, it was absolutely phenomenal. The next one is in winter. The winter is coming. It's February uh, 2nd through the 4th, um, so you can check the website for that. Um, I am, I was like a little kid this morning. I woke up this morning, and I was so excited to be able to spend time with this man. Now, I want to soak up every single second with him, and from the time that I got introduced, I got introduced through a friend named Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson, he, before he even talked about anything, he talked about this guy. And even before we got on the podcast, he was like, you need to have Coach Ballgame on because this guy is changing lives. He's doing things at a level that is impacting not only lives, but generations. And um, for me, I still remember my coaches from the time that I was in fourth, fifth grade, and they still have the impact on me. And I utilize principles. I mean, I repeat things back and forth to my son that my fourth and fifth grade coaches told me. Well, this man has a whole different approach. He is going to make you feel bad about your coaching skills. He's going to make you feel bad about every single thing that you do because this guy has the highest integrity I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, it's my honor. He only wants to go by, uh, I asked, uh, you know, is there any titles? And he was like, ah, I'm just coach ball game. So, uh, but to me, he is really, really changing the world. If you're anywhere, anywhere in this nation, you need to get to a sandlot and be able to get your kids with Coach Ballgame. Uh, but welcome to the uh, to the show, Mr. Coach Ballgame. Wow, man. I mean, I know your real name's Kelly. I think your nickname's got to be either Coach Blush because you're making <laughs> me blush or, or Coach Intro because that was one of the best intros I've ever heard. And uh 
And yeah, thank you, Brad Johnson, for hooking us up. I just had a great conversation with him yesterday on my podcast and just good people, good people, salt of the earth. And so glad to be here, man. Well, let's jump right into it, man. Like I, I heard you're a big Sox fan. Uh, so, um... oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got the Cubs uh, jersey there. Uh, the Those Cubbies, I, I, I grew up watching them. Uh, on my living room floor uh, in North Carolina, come home from school, make a big bowl of applesauce, and there's one game on TV. It's the Chicago Cubs, and Harry Carey just turned me into a diehard. So uh, talk to us, uh, Coach Ball Game, because, uh, I mean, you you have brought back, like, you've brought back the, the essence of what the game is. And your love for the game has, like, we all go through that nostalgic point when we watch The Sandlot. Okay, and that's my my kid's favorite show. We put it up on the projector, especially during the summer, and we watch it in Utah because we have a house in Park City where we do the hideout. And uh, we actually, the Sandlot is right where they filmed it, is right down the road. It doesn't look like the Sandlot, so don't go there, please. It's not a tourist attraction. It's garbage. But yeah. when we watch it, we get nostalgic. We're jumping up and down, all that stuff. But you have created a lifestyle around the Sandlot. Can you, can you talk about this? Because, man, this blows my mind. It happened organically, you know. I didn't set out to um, change the scope of of coaching kids by by any stretch. I I grew up uh, playing in the backyard with my brothers and my neighbors, and we used a tennis ball because we didn't want to break any windows. Uh, we we couldn't hit it towards third base because there was a big tree there, and that was my childhood. And that was my formative years, and I had so much fun doing that. Uh, then college. Uh, played at a high level, loved every minute of it, loved all the friendships I made. I, I can tell you're big on growing friendships. Uh, I, I still have great text threads. Uh, and actually for my 40th, uh, we're all getting together in Napa, uh, me and all the, the boys from the baseball team there at Brown University. And we're just going to see each other and catch up. And, and, and those, um, those relationships you, you, you build on a baseball field or on a sandlot it's different than any other relationship. So uh, I wanted to give that to the next generation. So I started coaching after college and I had two really good mentors that, that let me know right out of the gates, um, you're a good coach, but you're not a great coach. Uh, you're actually uh, weaning out the non-elite player. You're being a little passive aggressive. You're being a little negative. And uh, you know, kids are not falling in love with the game because of you. And that was some tough, truth to swallow. Uh, but as, as they let me know that I had some work to do, uh, it, I started to find my voice and, and thank you to those mentors and those great coaches that, that I had growing up that, that really enlightened me uh, coaching someone's heart and, and just being someone that they can text and say, Hey, uh, I, I need some advice or, um, I just want to say, I love you. Like being that guy that can, can sit on a bench beside somebody else and just say, Hey kid, how's your mental health today? How's, uh, you know, how are things at school? How's your life? Um, that's what's meaningful and that's, what's powerful. So, uh, as, as I set out on this coach ball game venture and it was my wife, Tara Jean, AKA Mrs. Ball game, who really gave me a shove, you know, why don't you, why don't you go all in on this coach ball game thing? Um, I said, this is why I didn't settle. This is why my parents didn't push me to 
to, you know, use that business degree from an Ivy League school. And they said, wait tables and figure it out and and fail until you find something you love. And I, I did. I was able to find a baseball field and I've always been a drummer. So I, I was able to put a drum on the on deck circle and, and have kids play that drum. And, uh, and I'm able to write poetry and sing songs and dress up in wacky characters uh, to, to be able to marry all of my interests uh, into one thing, which is coach ball game. And, and once I had a few kids come to me and say, you know what, coach ball game, I'm going to quit baseball. Um, because I had a bad experience with a coach and I say, how old are you? And they say seven I say, well, that's, that's a problem. I didn't even start playing uh, real baseball until I was nine. Um, and having a kid come up to me and say, you know, my travel ball baseball coach won't let me play soccer. I got to play baseball year round. Stories like this, panic attacks at, at uh, tryouts and, and just kids walking away from the field, it really got to me. And I said, there's a problem. We got to fix it. And I think the way I can fix it is, is something called the Sandlot. So that's what I'm doing. So with the, with the Sandlot, I mean, when you're, when you're coaching these kids, I, I just recently saw a video and I shared that and my brother fell in love with you. Everybody that touches you falls in love with you, Coach Ball Game. And um, you, were, you were beating the drum and the kids were running by and you were, you were yelling things at them. Can you can you talk about this? Because honestly, like and I, I coach football, so I tried it yesterday and I was I was in my head, but I didn't take enough time to do the one thing that you told us on the video to lay the foundation. I just tried to go into the second step of beating the drum and saying the thing. Can you talk about this and how impactful it is and that you have to do it from your heart? Well, good friends and good advice. Uh, a good friend named Joe Buck, uh, been the voice of, of baseball for a quarter of a quarter of a, a century, and he, he's uh, he's a good friend that's opened a lot of doors with MLB. So I've been able to help coach camps with them. And one of my first interviews was Ken Griffey Jr., one of my heroes, my big brother's favorite player. And I asked him, "What's your advice to me as a youth coach?" And he didn't he didn't skip a beat. Connect connect with your players, um, find out who they are and what they love and, 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 and be that mentor before you're, you're teaching them to play the game, teach them to love the game. And so my first priority is to give each kid a nickname. Uh, I'll meet them. I'll say, what's your name, Kevin? Uh, what's your nickname? I don't have one. Well, let's dig. Well, let's see what your favorite animal is. Um, it's an ostrich. Okay. What's your favorite cereal? Apple Jacks. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do? I love to you know, climb mountains. Okay, we got different options here. We could go with Apple Jacks. We could go with Mountain Climber. We could go with Ostrich. And, uh, you know, they have a nickname that sticks for a lifetime uh, right there in the first 20 seconds of meeting them. So that's priority one. Uh, once I've got all, all my all my guys or girls with nicknames, then uh, I'll line them up at first or I'll line them up at home plate and have them run towards first base and I'll rattle off their nicknames banging on my cajon drum. And it, uh, the drum really brings this rhythm to it. And, uh, and it helps me memorize the nicknames when, when I'm rattling them off, uh, the repetition is there, but everywhere I go, everybody's like, here's, here's the question I have for you, coach ballgame. How do you memorize a hundred nicknames in a day? And there's a theater background, no doubt about it. I, I, I studied theater arts and college and in my 20s, I auditioned and tried to memorize lots of plays. And, and there's that part of the brain that, that, uh, 
when when you're memorizing things, it it really uh, I don't know it, it creates this this flow. But also you have to um, you you have to create meaning to a face, and and you have to you have to have find a story uh, for a nickname. And w- when you create a story, this kid um, you know went to went to Disneyland one time and, uh, and he, he was on a roller coaster and he had so much fun that he, you know, he spit his water out of his mouth and, and, you know, you, you get the nickname Disney spit, uh, it, it, there's a story there and it lasts. So you provide meaning to a story and you connect that with a face and you've, you've, you've got it in your brain. So, uh, my advice to you, uh, coach intro, uh, is to uh, is to just take the pressure off yourself and slow it down. I love the awkward silence. I uh, you know kids, they don't realize it's awkward silence. You know, but adults do. Uh, but you know, when you just say, "Hey, kids, let's just take a deep breath. Let let's just give each other about twelve seconds of uncomfortable, quiet eye contact." When you get that dialed in. And then you give you give a baseball card to maybe the the kid that's that's really got the best team meeting pose and really locked in with good attention. Then you got them. You got all of them. They're they're attentive. They're ready to learn. They're ready to listen. And then I can be funny, wacky, coach ball game, and uh, sing and dance, you know. But I can't can't be Mister Fun Guy until I've got them locked in with the attention. Otherwise, it's just hurting cats. So how do you start with the discipline? Because like, say when I, uh, watching the videos or even getting on this morning with you, like, I can't tell you, it was like Christmas this morning. I woke up this morning and I was like, I took my son to a school on the bike. I, I ride him on an e-bike to school. And then I like to take my daughter and, you know, I took my daughter and I was, I was like, man, I'm driving. I'm just getting get ready. Cause I get to spend time with coach ball game. He, the joy in you, man, just exudes. But also you have this crazy discipline, though, too. So how do you mix the two and how do you lay the foundation of the, the discipline before then you bring in that fun? Yeah, uh, I, I think it works that way. Uh, you got to be inviting. You can't come off drill sergeant right away. So with the introduction, the nickname, the story behind the nickname, um, they immediately feel safe. They feel like they're in the company of, of somebody that wants to listen to them and isn't just going to yell at them. Um, so I, I, I ha- I've created a safe space with the introduction and the nicknames. But the very next thing we do is a team meeting. And I explain the, the specifics of a team meeting pose. And this really creates the expectations. Uh, when you're here, uh, we're, we're going to Put our shoulders back, and we're gonna we're gonna give uncomfortable eye contact, and um, we're gonna sit up tall, and and good choices are gonna get you a prize. We don't give out awards for home runs or the best throwing arm. Awards are given out for the best choices, and kids love awards, and kids uh, you know call it bribery, uh, whatever you want to call it, but it works. Uh, in my twenty years of experience, when you give a kid a a uh, 1988 Donruss of uh, Don Slot or uh, Brett Butler, uh, you know, they are just enamored by this baseball card and they want to earn that thing again. So um, I also call some kids up to the stage, to the 
uh, to the front when everybody's sitting there in their team meeting pose. Okay, these two kids, they've been hustling. They've been cheering loudly. They've been learning. Um, so come on up. Let's have a staring contest. And I got to tell you, man, I'll have 100, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. And we play three hours of baseball. And, and I'm all about joy. Make sure it's the most joyful birthday party kind of vibe uh, on a baseball field. But the, the moments when there, there's the most chills and you feel the hair raising up on, on and you see all these kids super engaged is, is when there's a staring contest going on. And it's like, so that's what that 10 year old wanted to do today. They didn't want to learn how to hit a ball to right center field. They didn't want to learn how to throw a change up. They wanted to watch a staring contest. And that's very telling uh, of, you know, where I need to go with my priorities. I'll also have those kids do an add a boy or an add a girl challenge where they'll, they'll scream at a boy or at a girl back and forth to let these kids know, Hey, it's not a library. We're going to be loud, but we're going to be loud in a very positive way. So, you know, that, that's the first 10 minutes of Sandlot. I've already laid all the ground rules there. And uh, you're going to have those kids that are playing in the dirt or chewing on their glove, especially the kids in my beginner sandlot. I started age three years old um, and my expectations, they're, they're different for that three, four year old group. But uh, you lay the foundation and man, I, I'm now in week six of my fall sandlots. It's amazing to see the transition and the way they grow, um, you know, not just physically, but socially and uh, in, in all the ways of making good choices. So I call it the coach ball game lens. Uh, and, and I learned this with the help of many mentors. Uh, I want to look through a lens of, am I making this kid come back tomorrow because I'm the fun coach? And two, am I making them a better person? Um, I'm not trying to win the game today. I'm not even trying to uh, develop their skills uh, that day. Uh, that is important to me, but it's third on the line. Um, winning a game, we don't even keep score at the Sandlot because the, the uh, cons outweigh the pros when you're trying to keep score and win at all costs in, in youth sports, as we can see with all the toxicity and yelling at umpires and uh, yelling at our players and, and getting in fights. It's, it's ridiculous, and it's a mental health issue that I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, fix. So what advice, I've seen you too, and you do it the best I've ever seen. You coach parents without actually getting in their face, but I saw a video the other day and you were so encouraging. Can you talk about this? Because when you just said that, we've all been at the game and we've all been that parent at some point. And if you're not, you're acting like you're not that parent, you, you have been and you're lying. So um, we've all been that parent that got mad at the ref, that yelled at the coach, that yelled at your kid or yelled at another kid or whatever it was. What advice do you have for the parents out there at Coach Ball Game? Well, uh, when, I have a, when I have a camp, and I was just in Glen Rock, New Jersey, doing a sandlot there, 124 kids. I mean, you've got 124 sets of parents sitting there in the bleachers. I make sure that all our team meetings and all the stories I tell about kindness from Roberto Clemente or overcoming adversity, Jim Abbott, um, never giving up, Daniel Nava. Look up those stories, by the way. Um, I make sure that the parents are there and I, and I want them to listen too. I don't want them chatting. I want them to listen too, uh, because that's how I can teach them. 
is by looking at the kids and, uh, and telling these great stories of kindness and good choices to the kids. But the, the parents, they, they, they hear it. And then they can walk away and say, wait, I was expecting to, to sit here for three hours and be anxious for three hours, hang on to every pitch and be, be nervous and, and yell at my kid in the car afterwards because they struck out. Um, and this felt like a birthday party. And it also felt like church, like the, these kids are just being motivated uh, to want to be better people. Why have I never seen this on a baseball field? I've also never seen a drum. I've never seen a guy in a fedora hat. I've never seen a lot of the things that, that, that this guy's doing. And um, maybe they can take those glasses off and put these new ones on and say, I guess that is possible. Um, so th that's number one. Just, just try to make sure that they're seeing it and hearing it. Um, as far as any advice I could give, it, it, it just starts with the lens. Can you look through a lens of, am I making them a better person today? And am I making them want to come back tomorrow? Is there love of the game there? Uh, and I've started a podcast with my good buddy, Chad Chop, and we've had many major leaguers on, managers, coaches, players, uh, to talk about how do we make youth sports better, not just youth baseball, but how do we make parents better youth parents? How do we make kids better, uh, happier uh, athletes? And, and I tell every parent, I started out just like you. I was yelling at kids. I was yelling at umpires. I was trying to win at all costs. And I'd been there and done that. I'd played at a high level, four years of college ball, all Ivy, all that good stuff. But I'm still drinking the Kool-Aid of trying to win uh, a game at age nine. And, and it, was, um, it was causing kids to walk away and go play video games instead of being outdoors, playing sports and, and socializing with other kids. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think Coach Boggy must have just dropped from heaven and been, uh, you know, an awesome coach. No, I was a bad coach. Just I was right there with you. So I, I think you have to learn by failure. And uh, once I figured it out and the light bulb went off, I changed my ways, man. I, uh, I, I started I started trying to reel them in because there's so many kids in blue jeans peeking over the bushes saying, I kind of like that game, but too much negative, too much yelling. It's too much pressure. I'll, I'll try something else. So um, who'd have thought this would be novel character and fun in youth sports. <laughs> so you said something earlier that I want to go back to. You talked about joy. Can you define joy uh, from coach ball games uh, perspective? Well, I asked, uh, I asked one of my mentors, his name's Sean Flicky. He was a player at Stanford and he was the first guy I ever saw wear a fedora hat uh, on a baseball field. And he was also one of the first coaches I saw to put his fungo bat down. Uh, and, and he said, Hey, ball game, how about you hit ground balls? I've got something more important to do. There was a kid that was just struggling all day long, uh, throwing fits, uh, bursts of anger. And he, went over to this kid and said, let's take a walk. And they go sit in the bleachers for at least an hour and a half. And I don't even know if a word was said, but he just sat there and maybe he listened a little bit and maybe he'd, he'd throw in a, you want to tell me what's going on? But just sharing a shoulder with this kid and, and trying to get to the bottom of, of the why what's going on at home why why are we why are we throwing this fit then i asked him you know what what's the secret to life sean flicky and he said 
just try and spread as much joy as possible. So for me, real joy stems from spreading joy. And, um, and if that, if, if that means a 10 year old, that's got something bad going on at home and I just need to have a chat with him and make him laugh and, uh, you know, make fart noises or, or whatever it needs to be to, to get him to feel a little bit of joy. That's the true joy for me. And, uh, anytime there's, there's a selfish, uh, selfish joy going on, like playing three days of golf, which is, oh, that's, that's pretty good stuff. Or, you know, uh, it, 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 uh, at the end of it, it's like, that was, that was fun, but it wasn't that true joy. It wasn't that, um, I'm getting the chills joy, like, like by spreading it. So it's been said by many, but, uh, to, to achieve happiness is, is, uh, well, how much happiness are you creating for others? Mm. So uh, I, th I think this, is, this has been a big one lately for me is the difference between happiness and joy. And what, from, from Coach Ballgame's perspective, how, ca how could you draw that line or what's the difference between the two? Yeah, short term versus long term. I think mm. that's it. Happiness is those three days of golf with my boys. Uh, but at the same time, I wasn't I didn't have that quality time with my my daughters or, uh, you know, at, um, that, that definitely, definitely happy three days. And it's my favorite three days of the year is going on this golf trip with my boys. But uh, uh, when when I go to Pennsylvania and, and I run into a kid that that had quit baseball uh, because they'd had a bad experience, they actually had a panic attack at a tryout um, and, and their dad was just down and out because he loved playing catch with his boy. And then uh, that kid was, was able to come to my sandlot and see baseball through a different lens and, and hear the sounds of joy and laughter. Um, and then that kid sends me an email, hey, I, I'm ready to play baseball again. And then I get an email a couple months later, I got my first hit in a little league game. And then I get a, a, you know, a text from the dad, we're playing catch every day. And the, uh, the, the amount of joy that I'm getting by playing catch with my son and, and sharing these moments, that's joy for me. There it is. I got it. I, I was able to have a kid and a dad connect um, and, and have a kid overcome some fear. Man, doesn't get any better than that. And, and you kind of you get addicted to it. You want to do it again and again and again. So um, that's kind of my mission. That's why I'm going around the country. Um, I'm in Vancouver uh, this weekend. I'll be in Dallas uh, in a couple of weeks. And I'm trying to get to all 50 states uh, before 2025. And um, who would have thought Johnny Appleseed my way across the country, finding sandlots and, and playing drums and dishing out nicknames would actually be something that an Ivy League graduate would do, uh, but man, I'm, am I feeling joy uh, by doing it. So talk to me about Wrigley Field. You just had an experience recently at Wrigley Field that most people dream about. And because you followed your passion and what you were purposed to do as opposed to what the world would tell you, because most people that graduated from Ivy League school, um, they'd be pressured into doing the things that you're supposed to do, but you're doing what you are purpose to do. And you got a chance. You keep getting these crazy opportunities and they keep showing themselves. But can you talk about Wrigley? Oh, man, that was just something else. Uh, you know, watching it on TV, watching that, uh, that Andre Dawson, my favorite player, dive for balls in right field, and Sandberg and Grace and Sean Dunstan. 
and then getting to, to meet these people and step onto this field that I, that I watched every day of my childhood. Um, yeah, I mean, I had my, my kids in the bleachers there and, and my wife was there and a lot of friends from college flew in to, to watch the first pitch and join in. Um, same thing happened on my wedding day where I just had some good advice. Just try and take some deep breaths from time to time, try to slow it down periodically by just looking around and not thinking about anything. Just, just breathe and take it in. So, uh, I did that a few times. And when I got onto the mound, um, I was able to just look up to the sky. And for some reason, two people, uh, who are not with us anymore, kind of, uh, stuck out in my brain. That was my, my Grammy who loved baseball and would just love to see this moment happening. Uh, and then one of my old coaches, Harold Kivett, uh, who really was one of those guys that, uh, uh, loved the game of baseball, loved teaching me the game of baseball, but even as an 80 year old coach of mine in North Carolina, uh, he'd much rather just, um, you know, ride with me to a, uh, to a state games tryout, uh, or, or come watch me play in college and, and just talk about life. So, uh, those two people, uh, looking down on me there, uh, it, that that's what stuck out. And then seeing my kids faces and, and my wife and friends, you know, all the happy, happy smiles and, uh, and then there was the pitch and, you know, you get a little nervous. You don't want to spike that thing. And uh, the the guy singing the national anthem uh, for any Cubs fans, you know, he's been around big guy, big voice. And he holds this note, uh, you know, for about 30 seconds uh, right before the pitch. He said, aim high. <laughs> and that really helped. I got it all the way to Clark, the Cub. And then we did a chest bump. Um but I, I have the ball right here on my desk and I even grabbed a few grains of dirt from the mound and uh, put them in my pocket. And now it's, it's right here in my case. So um, got a few great pictures from there as well, but yeah, it, 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 it if you build it, uh, they will come. And, and I've seen it. I've seen it when I run into a guy named Rod Carew at a gas station. And then 10 minutes later, he's uh, signing autographs at my sand lot. You know, I've got Albert Pujols signing a guitar for me and, uh, you know, giving me a, a bear hug and showing up to a sand lot that I did in St. Louis. Uh, being able to run a camp on the Santa Monica Beach with Andre Dawson, like dreams you, uh, don't get you this far. You don't you don't get that far in your dreams even. But um, thank God my mom and dad, um, they uh, they just they were my fan you know, when I was waiting tables and when I was, um, you know, <laughs> taking these acting classes and writing classes and playing music in 10 different bands, uh, when I'm sitting on this degree from Brown University, oh, don't settle, don't do it. You know, uh, you, uh, you keep on chasing those, those dreams and, 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 and to see it come full circle, uh, have a guy who is a writer and director in Hollywood, right coach ball game into his movie. Uh, we just went to the world premiere in Indianapolis uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, the world will be able to see it soon. Uh, it's a movie called Rally Caps with Judd Hirsch and Amy Smart. Uh, just, it's a great family film about baseball, but to have a guy write coach ball game into it, um, wow, 
So that's like 20 years of method acting right there. And I, I just got to be myself in a movie. Um, all that to say, you know, thank you. Thank you to all those, those friends that, uh, that had my back and, and said, keep going. Coach ball game, two things. One, can you give the advice, look into the camera and give the advice to any kid out there, uh, who's, you know, in the jeans looking over the bushes saying, I'd like to be on the field. The game's for you, kid. Uh, the game is fun, and the game is uh, is a place where you you build the best friendships, and especially when you feel like you shouldn't be there, uh, or or you're not good enough, uh, or it's so overwhelming, there's too much pressure. Um, that's the time to step up. That's the time to go for it. And uh, and there's nothing wrong with walking onto that empty field that you see and uh, just just throwing a ball around and, and hitting it with your bat. Maybe invite a few friends over and start your own sandlot. Um, but the game is is what you make it. Uh, it it uh, the any negative connotation you have of, of baseball or youth baseball or youth sports in general. Um, yeah, I think I think that's wrong. And I think there's so much right uh, with the game. So, so go, go, go walk on that thing with your blue jeans and fail, fail, fail and fail again, uh, and then get back up and then fail again, because uh, that's baseball. Coach Ball Game, when we were getting ready for the show, you had to adjust your camera because there's something in back of you that means a whole lot to you. Could yeah. you give a little shout out here too? Because my son is going to see this. My son, Maddox, who's 11, he's going to see this, see them shoes because he's a sneakerhead now. And he's going to be like, Coach Ballgame, how could I get a pair of shoes like that? Oh, yeah. Lefty Rodriguez. Uh, he's got an Instagram at Lefty Rodriguez there. Uh, but I'm, I'm seeing it right over here. I went on a Sandlot tour. And this is a great story. So I'm going to tell it. Um, I, uh, I had only been doing Sandlots here in Southern California. And I got a phone call out of the blue. Hey, uh, you don't know me. My name's Sandy uh, and I'm 70 years old. My husband just passed away after a long fight with cancer. And, uh, and I, I, I wanted to talk to you. And I'm like, man, is this a, is this a prank call? Or this is, this, is, this is different. And I don't usually answer my phone, but I did. She said, my husband was a teacher and a coach for 50 years. And he watched your documentary on YouTube and he just loved it. He loved the way you were about character and fun. And in lieu of flowers at his ceremony, he said, uh, send, send money to this guy, send money to coach ball game. Um, so he can, he can run sandlots around the country or do whatever he wants to with this $20,000 later, uh, I'm getting Venmos from his former students, former players. Um, I'm, I'm in contact with his son who, uh, is letting me know there's no catch here. This is just his wishes, uh, uh, what he wanted. Um, so me and Mrs. Ballgame are like, what do we do with $20,000? The best value I can give a dollar is is to see a kid, look at him in the eyes, give him a nickname and tell him the Roberto Clemente story. So that's what we did with the money they raised and sent to us. We flew to the Field of Dreams in Iowa uh, and we ran a sandlot there. Then we went to St. Louis, ran a sandlot there, went to Chicago, where 
his nickname was Bupa. Bupa's family lived, so we were able to uh, do a sandlot with his family in Chicago. They're big Cubs fans too. Then we went to Pennsylvania, where we had the story with the kid who had the panic attack and is now playing baseball with his dad. And we finished it up beside Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. So while we were in Pennsylvania, I get these shoes from Lefty, uh, who uh, his real name's Alex Rodriguez, uh, who had painted on these shoes every stop on my trip. He's got the name Bupa for the Bupa Scholarship, we called it, uh, you know, giving kids a free sandlot um, was his wishes. It's got the Statue of Liberty and it's got Wrigley Field and the corn. It's got the arch from St. Louis uh, and Elizabethtown, PA, where we did it. Uh, it's got uh, it's got just beautiful artwork on a pair of shoes that it's like that never would have happened uh, if, you know, there was an act of kindness from this family to just say, we don't know this guy, but let's do this. And then uh, it just makes me think every every time I'm I'm walking away from from a sandlot, you know, where kids have been changed and parents have been changed, like what would it? Would this have happened if, if we would not have shown up? What would have happened if we didn't show up today? And the answer is nothing. Nothing would have happened. So, um, you know, build it and, and, and that kind of stuff will come. And um, I just feel like Forrest Gump sometimes where I'm just I'm just uh, I'm following the the guide of my mom and dad. And, uh, you know, they, they taught me. Uh, about making good choices and being humble. And uh, my brothers taught me how to play baseball. And I'm just a kid, uh, just just trying to find all the joy I can in life. And um, it uh, it's just the start. Coach Ballgame, you're, you're giving us all joy. Every single person out there listening, I mean, every person out there that has a child needs to have their child with Coach Ballgame to be able to find one of those sandlots. You could get it on coachballgame.com. It's been running across the screen, and you've been seeing it. And I tell you, this man, that's what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, this man is really changing generations. He's changing cycles in life. It's not just about baseball, but it's about helping people to be able to find joy. Coach Ballgame, you're incredible. The reason why I started the podcast, it's because of my two kids, Maddox and McKenna. Maddox is 11 years old. McKenna's 13. Maddox is a little superhero, has more joy than – he just gets up and he's super excited. He was up at 545 this morning, and he was just on his YouTube. He's like, Dad, what's up? Like, you know, I'm going to have a great day, all these things. He's so excited about everything. My daughter, 13 years old, she's a, a theater uh, major. She's all into that. She's writing. She's doing her art. We're, we're one to, uh, you know – let her know that that is her, you know, it's her thing. Like we want to encourage it. So I wanted to take iconic people like you and I wanted to show my two kids that you are not a superhero. There's no idols in life. There are people who have phenomenal attitudes that you've exposed for the last 35 minutes. And there's great work ethic, which you have. What advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both of their names, it would be awesome. Coach ball game. Maddox and McKenna, man, I uh, can't wait to find some nicknames for you. Uh, but yeah, uh, Maddox, you are a superhero. And uh, McKenna, uh, I love that. I, I, lo I didn't really love college until I stepped into a, a theater program. And I, and I had my first theater uh, professor tell me one word, listen. Um, and, and, and that's maybe the one word that, that I, I, I 
I still hold on to today uh, from my theater days is the word listen. It really did teach me how to listen. And instead of being self-involved to, to listen to other people. Uh, but uh, the only way to navigate this crazy wild world, Maddox and McKenna, is to follow what you love. And um, the, the failure that is inevitable, and uh, like in baseball, it's going to happen more than the win. Um, can you respond? Can you bounce back? Um, because uh, once, you, once you do win, all those failures kind of make that win feel a lot better. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's the accomplishments uh, that that make you truly happy or give you that true joy. But it's the it's the grind. It's actually the process of it. So fall in love with how difficult those things can be, and and uh, fall in love with all the failure. Um, and and in the meantime, build some great relationships. That's uh, that's what I hold tightly is, is all those great relationships I've built those friendships. Um, so, so, uh, as, as my friend texts me, uh, constantly, uh, keep going. Coach ball game. You have been, I mean, better than advertised. You are incredible, man. And I, I thank you. You have no idea how many lights turned on. And when I say that, it's not just the audience that's listening to you, but it's me right here, this guy on this end of the phone. I have been blessed. I feel that this is more of a, a personal thing for me. Like, you know, I, I, there's there's ones that I do for, you know, podcasts that I'll do, and I'll be like, wow, I want to expose you to every person that I possibly can. But also, I wanted to expose you to my heart, and you spoke to huh. my heart so much today, and I want to thank you, man. Um, the the thing that I'm gonna I want to uh, connect to is, and I will. Um, Mr. Rick Allen, who's the drummer from Def Leppard, was just on the podcast yes. on Sunday, okay? And he has a thing called Raven Drum, and he does drum circles. And I, I'm going to connect the two of you because you need to be in the drum circle. And we were just in the drum circle with the drummer from Sticks, from Widespread Panic, from, uh, let's see, uh, Godsmack, from Guns N' Roses, Lenny Kravitz, um, George Harrison, Elton John, uh, Little Richard, um, all these drummers. And they come together. And Coach Ball Game needs to be in the circle. So Mind blown, man. Mind blown. I've got a conga drum with... with <laughs> Hall of Famers <laughs> signatures on them from everywhere I've been. And, and, you know, that is my prized possession. So I'm, I'm bringing the conga. I'll bring the cajon. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in. Holy, holy cow. <laughs> well, we'll get, we'll get you, we'll get you connected with that. But I want to thank you so much. I thank you for your time. But the thing that I want to ask you before you go, because I know you got to go, mm. but the thing I got to ask you, can we have you on the podcast again? 100%. This is this is easy, and and and, and uh, man, you are doing a great thing, and you've brought joy to me. So it would only make sense to come back for uh, selfish reasons. I'm in. Well, we absolutely love you. Check out Coach Ballgame, CoachBallgame.com, Coach Ballgame on all social media channels. This guy is changing not only the world, but changing generations and cycles. And if you want your kids to fall in love with the game, there's only one name in the industry. It's Coach Ball Game. Uh, you have been absolutely phenomenal, my man, and you are officially off the hot seat.